You could have bought every house in Grace Ferry for like 10, 30 grand five years ago. Every single one on the MLS, like on the multiple listing service. Not even like, <laughs> oh, let me find a good deal somewhere. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. it's listed up. Oh, let's go get that mm-hmm. one. So mm-hmm. I think after doing this for like 10 years, and I'm getting better at seeing trends. So I really feel like I'm starting to be able to see the matrix mm-hmm. and like how neighborhoods develop and like what happens in what sequence and all that. what's the tipping point, right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's happening in Westfield right now. So I'm like, I don't need to look anywhere else. Welcome to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show. The program that shines a spotlight on positive real estate development and neighborhood revitalization in the city of brotherly love. Coming to you live from the G-Town Radio Studio on Maplewood Mall in Germantown. Here's your host, Alina DeLisser. Welcome to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show. My guest today is Rodney Ross, who has a broad array of experience in the real estate industry here in Philadelphia. Rodney is one of the founding members of Limitless Real Estate, a real estate sales and development team specialized in working with home buyers and sellers in the greater Philadelphia area. He is also a partner in AJR Endeavors, a partnership focused on the redevelopment in revitalization of 36 row homes that were involved in the 1985 move bombing in West Philadelphia. And he's also an active real estate investor focused on building a a portfolio of single and multifamily properties throughout the city of Philadelphia. Uh, Rodney graduated from Drexel University with a degree in business and engineering, and he found his passion for real estate when he was a college student. Uh, He purchased his first property in 2009. And since that time, he's been involved in over 100 transactions and has developed a really, really good knowledge of how to make a successful real estate investment work. He has helped his clients make over a million dollars in estimated profits over the course of his career. So, you know, prior to starting Limitless Real Estate, Rodney was a real estate agent with a firm called uh, Streamline Solutions, a real estate development firm here in Philadelphia. And it was through that experience that he gained a lot of knowledge on real estate development. And he's now applying that knowledge, particularly knowledge about construction and redevelopment projects um, here in Philadelphia. And in addition to all of this, he's building his team of realtors at uh, Keller Williams Realty here in Philadelphia um, as he builds his investment portfolio. Welcome to the show, Rodney. Good morning. Good morning. So... Let's go back in time to you in college, and what was it about real estate that appealed to you? Uh, were you a freshman, sophomore in college when you did your first uh, property? Yeah, so I actually, it was the towards the end of my second year at Drexel that I started, I was doing civil engineering, and um, I was on the crew team. I had finished, uh, basically like finished the second season. I moved into this house with a bunch of roommates. I lived with um, a guy named, his name's Matt. And I basically, I've come, I come from like a relatively conservative family. 
And um, I thought that my path in life was going to be like, I'm really good at math. So I figured, all right, I'm going to just graduate from Drexel like my dad and my brother did. And I'm going to become an engineer and just work a job. And I don't even know what else. But um, after I moved to this house, it like opened my vision up a little bit because he, my friend Matt, he was a real, a realtor at Keller Williams. We were both still full-time students, by the way. And he made a lot of money, like almost $100,000, like being a 21-year-old as wow. still a full-time student. So um, I basically just was watching him like, what the heck are you doing? Like he's going out of business classes and going to settlements and like meeting with clients and all that. So he gave me this book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's kind of cliche to say, but uh, there's probably like one or two things in my life that actually like switched Changed dramatically. Changed the course of your life. Mm-hmm. And that was definitely one of them. Wow. I, think i read the book cover to cover um in one sitting i was like oh my god like there's more to just having a job and like i like had this gut feeling that i wanted to do something different but that kind of opened up to that showed me like all right cool this is what i can do of all the things the stocks and businesses and all that like being a because i thought about like i may i'll just like try and go to new york and be a financial whatever real estate seemed like a really good plan so that's how it all got started and so what was your first property, the first property that you bought? So after I read that book, I was working my second co-op job. Um, I was a land surveyor, one of the guys with the yellow tripods right in West Philly. And West and Southwest was our district. So I read that book and I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm all about taking action quickly for better or for worse, mind you. It doesn't always work out. And this, this time it didn't really. So I was like, I have to buy a house right now. The book says I should go buy a little house for $50,000. Let me go do it. So one of our... Uh, it, the first house I ended up buying was at 62nd and Buos. It was a corner little house. I, it was a client, I think actually someone who, someone who owned properties that like my boss at the city knew. And he, I, after I quit my city job, which I wasn't allowed to do, he was like, all right, I guess you're serious about this real estate thing. You should talk to this guy. He has some stuff in Southwest mm-hmm. Philly. And basically I, um, like gave him a lump sum of cash that I had borrowed from Drexel and then took over his mortgage, and I took over like all these problems. It went horribly. Like, I lost all the money I had. I like my tenant stole the tools. I never oh, got man. paid. I got paid one hundred fifty dollars. So that was it. What? And I pretty much lost like ten thousand dollars. The tenant ended up passing away in the property. It was crazy. Then the son said they were going to sue me because they like a chip and fell. And I just gave it back to the guy. He gave me a thousand bucks. I'm like, I got to get out of here. So that was, and I was nineteen. You know, it wasn't wow. A little like emotionally like, oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that scarred me for a little bit. So I didn't invest for probably about four or five years after that. So what made you decide to, to dip your toe back into it? Because that sounds traumatic. It sounds like everything that could have gone wrong went wrong in that first Pretty deal. Pretty much. The one thing that I did right was that I put the property in an LLC. And so like all the back taxes and all that, they didn't show up against me personally. I think that's the single thing. I didn't even get title insurance, but I did do that right. Wow. So, okay. So basically, I just said that's how I decided to become a realtor. I thought, all right, I just made every mistake you could possibly make. Why don't I learn how to do it right? Work with people and clients and build up my knowledge mm-hmm. and then learn from their mistakes and not really have as much at risk. Mm-hmm. So I got my license in 2010, graduated 2012. I sold a, maybe a couple of houses when I was in school and then took off 2012, um, hit the ground running. And I was looking for stuff and I had happened to find the next piece that I bought. The reason it uh, happened then was um, basically I was working with a family in West Philly and they had a bunch of places to sell, but 
it was kind of complicated selling it as a selling them all as a realtor mm-hmm. because they actually they had like six seven places, mm-hmm. but there was so much liens and debt against it that oh, they would okay. all have to close at the same time together. So you'd have to have a bunch of different sales that would all close in the same day. And so we tried to do that. It didn't work. And then I ended up working out an agreement to buy them with pretty much no money down, actually. And it worked, that one did work out. Wow. Okay. So that was how many, that was a bundle of seven properties, you said? No, no, no. no. I sold a couple of oh, them. okay. And I closed on the same day that the other guy closed on. They ended up keeping one or two, but I closed on the same day that the other guy bought his three. Okay. And so I took three and he took three or four. And um, basically, it, it was really two. It, it was a... Um, uh, building on 52nd Street, the old punchy seafood, and then uh, another sh- um, shell on Haverford Ave. And he bought his three, and I organized it. Like he, All those liens that had to be paid off, I actually waited for him to pay them off because they were also encumbering my property. And so after, and that was part of the plan and all that. Okay. After he paid them off, then I was able to actually like sell mine and make the profit. Okay. So you were kind of off to the races with that one once, once that started to click. Yeah, uh, sort of. I okay. actually ended up getting sued, uh, which is the only time in my life I've been sued because um, I, I went to sell it and I sold it to someone who they like backed out and then tried to sue me and say they didn't. So I ended up selling it to them. So it's, it was a little, little bit of emotion there, but yeah, okay. it, was, it gave me a little more confidence. Okay, okay. So still, so not completely uh, trouble free or hassle free, exactly. but getting a little bit smoother. Getting right. a little bit smoother, yeah. And then, and then we fast forward um, even further now, almost to the present day, mm-hmm. and you're working on a pretty marquee project right now, Osage Pine, yeah. right? Osage can you tell, Pine. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So um, Osage Pine is, it's 36 houses that we were able to purchase from the city. It's the site of the move bombing that happened in 1985. The whole block um, was bombed, set on fire. It was rebuilt over the next couple of years. And then over the next... You know, I was I actually looked at the deeds when we purchased them. Like over the next say ten, fifteen years, most of the people uh basically there were sixty five houses that went down and were put back up, right? Sixty five or sixty six. Uh the city gave everybody an option that uh once they moved back in, probably like eighty seven, eighty eight, I think that's probably when the city had given them the option, like, hey, you can stay or you can take the slump sum of money and you can decide to go elsewhere. Okay. Okay. There were, I, I think there was a lot of different reasons. Obviously, like what happened was so tragic. And well, yeah. Still, yeah. Know. I mean, lots of people that are going to hear this, um, this episode probably have no idea what we're talking about. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not to get too into the weeds, but a, li- a little bit of the history is that there was this um, black liberation group that started in the 1970s called MOVE, mm-hmm. M-O-V-E. And um, they had several confrontations with the Philadelphia Police Department. And back in 1985, the city of Philadelphia essentially bombed bombed itself. Yeah. Um, uh, a police helicopter dropped, literally dropped a bomb on a row home on the 6200 block of Osage Avenue. Mm-hmm. And the resulting fire killed 11 MOVE members, including five children, and destroyed 65 homes, 65 homes in the yeah. neighborhood. I'll never understand why they, I mean, it sounds kind of unreal, like, why would you let the enti- why would you let that many houses burn? I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 one of those really uh, tragic, horrific stories um, in Philadelphia's Philadelphia's history. But when the city tried to rebuild Osage and Pine, right, mm-hmm. the developer that they hired was a hot mess. S- yes, pretty much, right. For the most part, um, what I will say about it, so. 
I mean, they went to jail. They went to jail. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So the one stigma that was against the houses that is not true that I've heard from so many people, no matter like people from Philly, not Mm -hmm. from Philly, every time I bought, every time I talk to someone about the project, they're like, oh, my God, you bought those houses that are falling down? The interesting part is they're not falling down. There was a lot of problems with them. Roof leaks, plumbing, HVAC, almost everything else. But the foundations are actually very solid. That's why we. That's part of the reason I think that we ended up purchasing the project, whereas maybe like a lot of other people were took a pass. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All the other fifty something groups that were there when they showed it, no, nobody. I think there was only one other bidder aside okay. from us. Okay. So, so when did um, when did it come on your radar? And tell me about your your partners, who you're partnering with on this particular sure. project. So my two partners, Jim and Anthony. Um, we had we actually came together as probably almost like a little more than three years ago at this point. I had met um, my one partner Anthony through actually like a barbershop connection, believe it or not. Helped him sell a couple other one of his other houses in um, West Palatine, actually mm-hmm. near where the uh, block away from where Move originally was on the forty one hundred block of Palatine. Okay, and uh, so we were we started doing a little business together, and then I had known um, Jim Jim Robertson. Uh, just through, you know, I'm a realtor. He's a realtor. He, I live in South Philly. He does business in South Philly. Well, now he lives in South Philly too. But um, so we had, we'd all come together to try and do another project. Actually, another group of homes that were purchasing in the city didn't end up working out. And this project happened to come along. It was probably like three, four months after we got shut down for the other one. It was literally just an email to everyone who's on the city's, uh, the redevelopment authority's RFP list. And I almost didn't believe it. I'm like, why why now like is this you know i was skeptical i was that was probably the most skeptical of all three of us when we originally um when we originally made the bid and i was like ah should we really do this and they're like yeah let's look at it like let's properly evaluate it and so this was in 2016 i guess in either 2016 wait we we closed we started at the beginning of last year which is 2018 and we were at, it was at the end no, nah, I think it was in 2016. It's okay. so long. The whole process from bidding, the, from the time we submit our bid to I think the time we closed was like 13 months. It was a long time. So what, yeah. did, you, what did you guys bid? What was the winning bid? $1 for $1 per property. Are you serious? Yeah. I mean, it was the only number that we think made sense because once we, although we did, you know, we made the bid for a dollar because we weren't really sure whether we, gonna, we were going to make like much money at all. Because we didn't know, and and the city definitely didn't think. A lot of people at the city thought, I think we were a little bit crazy, because the homes are real. They have a lot of they're they're big. They got a lot of square footage. They're and mm-hmm. there's there were some brick strip brick issues in some of them that would that would jump the cost up. And we didn't know whether we were going to sell them for like one ninety five, two two ten, whatever. They're selling for a lot more now, but that was why. And the and the having to go through the headache and the being in the spotlight and the city reporting and all those other things where like, it only makes sense if they donate the land. So you guys were basically in for $65, $36, thirty-six houses. Yeah. 30, $36, $36 was the winning bid. That's it. Wow. Bid. Wow. Okay. So you, you, <laughs> you, you, you guys are the winners. Mm-hmm. Then what? What 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 happened after in month fourteen? So basically, it took thirteen months to get to that point. Yep, thirteen months. It took uh, four months for us to figure out that we were the winning bid. We had an idea, but then it's four months to finally say yes. Mm-hmm. Seven months of going through 
council approval, RDA approval, da 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 this, that, all that. We finally closed, I think, at the beginning or late December, early January, um, uh, late late seventeen, early eighteen, and then we we just started construction. You have to have a little pre construction meeting. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. This is our schedule, and then we started construction. Um, we basically started. There's not, it's almost it's it. It worked that well. Excuse me. The um, the layout of the of the blocks I think worked out pretty well because. We started with the easier block, which was Pine Street. There's 19 on Pine, 17 on Osage that we own. Pine, they were all on one side of the street. We, all, we owned almost the whole side. So there was only three houses we didn't own. It makes it real easier for like staging, and we can get a bunch of dumpsters and trucks and right. all that. So uh, it was a good like ease in. To, so we started just in, I, know, I think, uh, like four, four or five at a time. And so the vision is to turn them into... Townhouses, condos. Yep. What's the? All of them are single-family homes, um, ranging from the ones on Pine Street are very big. The average Philadelphia single-family house is probably like forty to forty-five feet. These are fifty-seven feet, so they're like three beds, three full baths, really deep finished basement, nice. twenty-four hundred square foot like monstrous houses. Very nice. So, and and that was our agreement with the city that we're gonna rehab them like good quality, same kind of quality you're seeing in like half million dollar houses and up in South Philly and we're going to sell them to homeowners. So every one of them is a single family house. So currently where is the project at right now? Are any of the units available for sale or it's it's too early? So we're no, we're on the tail end right now. Okay, great. I finished we finished Pine Street early this year and I've sold on Osage as of today we're foreclosed. I think seven or eight more pending and there's probably only Three homes on the south side, and then we have a couple with garages on the north side. So in a matter of, I think, weeks maybe, or maybe, say, by the end of the year, very absolute latest, will be sold out. That's fantastic. That's great. I mean, it sounds like once you kind of got the approval to go from uh, early 2018 to basically end of 2019 to have all this done, pretty much done. 24 months. 24 months. That's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, and we all we I think we judge ourselves pretty harshly. Like mm-hmm. all of us thought we it was actually going to be finished faster, but you gotta, you know, you, there, there's just so much stuff that come. This is my first like large sort of project, so a lot of stuff comes up. But I, I'm pretty proud of what we're doing. That's incredible. So talk a little bit more about what it's been like uh, with the community because I'm sure there was mm-hmm. um, some some tension. Yeah. Uh, how did you handle the community relations? Sure. So yeah, we had uh, we had definitely like a handful, probably three, four, maybe even five community meetings before we even started, just to mm-hmm. set all sorts of expectations about exactly what we're doing and like literally like down to what times of day are we going to be closing the street down and like all those minute details and, and you know, knocking on some people's doors and having conversations. But believe it or not, like they, everyone was. Everyone's so, so, so happy that it's finally being turned around. Everyone is wants to get past the, they don't really want to mm. talk about the past too much anymore. And so there's definitely some people who still have, I would say a lot of people probably who still have such strong feelings against the city. And for having it taken so long. For having but, it taken so long. And also I don't think the city, like the city didn't give back as much as they should have considering what happened. But for the most part, that's separate, their relationship with us. So we've had a very good relationship. And it's an emotional thing for a lot of people. Like people have been like literally crying at our meetings. Like, oh my God, like when they, when they first saw the first kind of houses, they are nice. These houses yeah, are nice. Yeah, they are very so, nice. So 
you know, it's, 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 it's interesting. It's like, makes you feel good about yourself. Yeah. Like, wow, I, I read um, one of the articles, I think it was after a community meeting and one of the residents said, um, I just have one question. When can I get mine? Because <laughs> she, she was ah. really, she was really excited about what you were doing mm-hmm. and she wanted to know when can, you know, when, when will it be ready so I can buy one? I think I know who you're talking so, about. So, Yeah. So dealing with the contractors and the, the project management for something of that scale, mm-hmm. did you have one general contractor for, Definitely oh, not. okay. No. Can you talk a little bit? Um, this is not that type of project okay. where we wanted to do that. We obviously have a lot at stake with our reputations. So we, are, we have a superintendent who is awesome. His name is Ron. Um, he is, he takes care of all the day to day. He's on, you know, he, he, he he lives in West Philly. He's close. He's like manages everything on site, but we're also all there all the time, like several times a week. So we don't, there's no GC general contractor. We choose each one of the subs ourselves. You know, we do all the contracting ourselves. Uh, I should say, you know, like making the agreements and all that and, and going through behind people. And luckily like all three of us know a decent, decent amount about construction. So, it does get a little hairy sometimes because like it's hard to to the decision making between three people and like sometimes a contractor will be hearing one thing from one of us and another thing from another one of us but we couldn't we couldn't we didn't want to take the risk of like no way we were going to delegate like give a contractor a big check and expect them to come back with mm-hmm. finished houses. Mm-hmm. So what would you say has been the most challenging aspect of the project because even though you 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 thought it was going to go a little bit faster it you know mm-hmm. as an outsider looking in 24 months seems like a pretty a pretty good timetable for the number of units that you guys did. If so, it were new construction, I don't want to say it's not. It certainly is. If it were new construction, I would say it's like a, a rapid time frame. Rehabs can go quicker if you know what you're doing. So um, that's why I think we're a little hard on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like rehab, a rehab, a rehab could be done in 90 days, really. Like and. Okay. We didn't. We did slow ourselves down a little bit because we wanted to pace it to match the sales um, that were coming in and all that. So that was certainly part of it. But uh, one of the challenges were. <clears throat> so I think the main challenge, like I said, is the decision making. Sometimes it's hard to get everybody on the same page. Mm-hmm. And for the, I'd say for like eighty percent of the, ma- to the the big decisions were on the same page. Some of the some of the ones were not. And sometimes it's just hard to like come to a consensus and like, all right, this is what we're going to do mm-hmm. and, and, and go. Right. So right. that's probably the main, the, the, the toughest part. Not okay. that it's tough at all. Like most things are going extremely well over there. Yeah. Yeah. But if anything, that would be it. So the, so the price, the price ranges range from, from what to what? So we started at, uh, I think it was two forty nine. Uh, we actually, well, it was the one corner we started with went for two fifty nine. But they're all pretty much two fifty. We're at around two sixty five right now. Okay, okay. And the the neighborhood is officially called is it Cops, Cops Creek? Creek. Oh, yeah, yeah, Cops Creek. Yeah. Right. Okay. So for the most part, are the people that are buying are they people that were already living in the neighborhood, or are you bringing in people from outside the neighborhood? Totally a mix. Okay. There's probably more people from outside the neighborhood than in the neighborhood. The interesting thing is, I think all but I'd say like literally ninety percent of the people there look like us. Very proud to say that, you know, a lot of them are younger working professionals um, who were living in. You know, I've had I've seen people who were either living in the nicer part of University City, like maybe renting a two or three bedroom apart, mm. apartment for like sixteen hundred to like two thousand dollars a month, 
And then they realize, oh my God, I can buy this whole house for like 1500 bucks a month or lower in some cases, maybe a little bit higher in some mm. cases. So there was a lot of that. I had, uh, there's been some people from like, there's one guy who like came in from California for like a day and then just bought one, a veteran, who had a couple of veterans wow. there. He bought it to live in or he's living. renting it out? Yeah, he's back and forth okay. and his wife and they started dating. They, uh, they're back and forth, sort of, or I think he is more than she is. Okay. Definitely an interesting mix. Everyone is a really cool community over there, but lots there's there's more than a handful of people for that are like from West Philly. Mm-hmm. That's and I think great. more in this actually second side of Osage just seem to be of the people I have under contract. Like okay. they like they grew up a block or two away. Okay. You know their parents still own a house right. in the neighborhood, right. but in their buying. That's great. So in terms of the financing for the construction, how did that work? Did you have did you go through PIDC or Mm-mm. no? Okay, Mm-mm. part of this was we did not absolutely want to have to take any sort of public funds or do we wanted to like do this on our own because that would have complicated things even further then you have to answer to i don't even i don't think i ever want to do a project unless it's so big that you have to Mm -hmm. i don't think i want to go through that okay so there wasn't any tie that you had to do any sort of financing okay oh that's great so so yeah so talk a little bit more about the about the financing how that came together um you raised the capital Mm -hmm. through like a syndication or can you talk a little bit about that yeah sure so we had um like one private investor put up a decent amount of money and that that chunk was basically call it like the equity from our end and then we just got we we spoke to another company who did like a revolving loan you know they put it against i think it was probably like the, the all the houses on pine street and as we worked through them, it was we figured out how much we would need. It was like uh, three quarters of a million dollars, and then we just went through it. And then so that's why we did four, four or five at a time. We we basically like did all that. We enclosed all that, so we did all the roofs and all that, and the windows and all that for the whole row. And then we would just finish off four, get our sit. And then as we got more sales and all that, we would speed up or slow down. Okay, but that's all we really needed probably almost another million and some change one 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 two one two probably uh, so I think all in all in two let's say two. i think i don't think it's a lot anymore okay than that. that's great so what is your what's your next project going to be it's a very good question uh our next project that may be together in that partnership is definitely still in the works we've looked at one or two things but aside from that, like the whole other partnership I have with uh, Limitless, we're buying one to four unit buildings. Uh, actually, all of them are in West Philly right now. We're finishing up. We bought about um, 15 of them in the past two years. So now I am ready to step out of my comfort zone again and go for larger things. So once we finish up, the, we, we have like two triplexes, a duplex, a couple of houses working on right now. We're going to finish those up. And now I'm going to like slow down my sales, which I've already been doing, and really focus on like we found a 10 unit in Camden and a 27 unit in West Philly. And so I've, I want to get out of my comfort zone and get one of those done and then just kind of do the same thing. So hopefully the next couple of years is more of that. So what do you look for when considering a, a project? Is it the neighborhood first? Is it the property? The demographics? What, what, what are, what's some of your general criteria? Yeah, there's a lot. I think it starts with being in an area that I like. Like, there happens to be enough opportunity right like now in West Philly. I think that's why I've been almost exclusively there. And did you grow up in West Philly? I didn't. A oh, lot of my family did. Okay. Um, I grew up first in, El- you know, in Elkins Park, Lumber Gardens, and then we moved out to the suburbs, Upper Dublin. So I went to Upper, Upper Dublin High School. But a lot of my family, most of my family is in West Philly, North Philly. So it's an area I know, and that's, that was 90% of them. Like, okay, cool. 
and the timing for West Philly. Like, if had I had the wherewithal and more access to funds, say like five six years ago, like I've been living in South Philly, Point Breeze, for five mm-hmm. years, and you mentioned like I've wor- I'd worked with the Streamline, the developer. Like, I would have I would have started right there. You could have bought every house in Grace Ferry for like ten thirty grand five years ago. Every single one. On the MLS, like on the multiple listing service, not even like, (laughs) oh, let me find a good deal somewhere. Like, oh, it's listed up. Let's go get that Mm -hmm, one. So, mm -hmm. I, I, I just looked at the numbers, and I'm, I'm starting. I think after doing this for like ten years, I'm, I'm getting better at seeing trends. So I really feel like I'm starting to be able to see the matrix Mm -hmm. and like how neighborhoods develop and like what happens in what sequence and and all that. Tipping point, right? Exactly. Yeah. And that's happening Westfield right now. So. I'm like, I don't need to look anywhere else. Let oh, me get... Yeah, and it's yeah. interesting. I mean, West Philly has is is an ecosystem for multiple neighborhoods. I mean, West Philly mm-hmm. is huge, it's but really, then when you start yep. slicing it um, and looking at the different layers... So, yeah. so where in West Philly, like, can you trade secret? No, but can you talk a little bit secret. more about yeah. the, sub, the sub-neighborhoods within West Philly that you're really excited about? Sure. So some of the ones I'm most excited about, other than... So I'll start with Cobbs Creek. That's where my project is. Uh, like, I bought other stuff in Cobbs Creek. Basically, the L, I just kind of, the, the one part of me is like, okay, I, I'm going to follow the L. It runs along Market Street. If you're on a couple blocks of there, there's people all the way up in Northeast, all the way up in Kensington and some blocks that I'm shocked that they're selling houses for half a million dollars for. If they're going to do that, whether it's two, five, ten years, I feel like eventually it has to come to West Philly. There's a dead stop boundary at 63rd Street. It's not that big. You can still get to Center City, like City Hall, door to door, in like twenty minutes if you catch the train at the right time. So, um, I like I like Cobb's Creek north of Market Street, between Fifty Second and you know Sixty Third. I think is starting to come up. I see more people buying over there. Um, and then, last but not least, well, not last but not least, but the, where most of my stuff is is in Parkside and Belmont. Like I bike there all the time. You can get, you can hop yeah. right on the trolley and be right downtown very quickly. Yeah, I mean Parkside. It's it's one of those. It's been that's like a, one of those neighborhoods where it's like, why hasn't this taken off yet? Mm-hmm. It's a head scratcher. Yeah, I mean, take the same neighborhood. It's got so many things going for it, and you you and you see that over and over again in Philadelphia. So many neighborhoods that are close to Center City, close to the Art Museum, close to Fairmont Park, and it's like, wow, if this was in Brooklyn, it would be. This would be this would be yeah. prime real estate, Literally. and and here in Philadelphia, it's kind of it's it's trailing, it's trailing. It's, it's like what's come on, come on, yeah. what's happening? It so. has been trailing, and I just my gut tells me I feel like something's yeah. yeah. I I don't see how it can't be. Now I'm not like overextending myself and not buying things that make sense because I can talk about the numbers next if you're interested. But um, like what sort of numbers I look for? But I yeah, it's got to be next. You're too close to downtown. So, yeah, so talk a little bit about the numbers in terms of what your strike zone is. So, I guess first and foremost, I like to, since, you know, we started with like a chunk of money and we were just trying to recycle the same chunk of money, I like to find rehab properties that like we're able to do the, we're able to basically obviously buy it and fix it up Mm -hmm. and rent it and then refinance and like pull all of our money back out. So, that's that's a good starting point. Um, whether it's, uh, you can still find, it's getting a little bit tougher to find, you know, really good deals there. Cause now it, I think people are starting to wake up about it, but you can find houses that are like 35 to $50,000 and they need another 35 to $50,000. You're probably all in for like 
195 to 105. Mm -hmm. The house is probably going to be worth like 150, maybe 140, maybe a little more. And you can rent it for like 12 to 13, 1350. So the numbers kind of work out there. If you're in for 100 with taxes, insurance, your mortgage payment, you're probably going to be all in for like eight, Mm -hmm. maybe less, maybe more. Mm -hmm. You rent it for like 12, make a couple hundred bucks a month, get all your money back, you're good. Same thing with like duplexes and triplexes. It's just a little bit. You can still buy stuff for fifty to seventy-five, maybe a hundred. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Put another. I'm spending way more than I like these days. Like it's costing me like one seventy-five to do a triplex, but um, it'll appraise for like three and a quarter to three seventy-five, and you'll get a thousand bucks a unit, maybe nine hundred, maybe eight seven fifty-four studio. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the numbers still pencil out. You'll probably pull. You know, you'll you'll refinance and be able to pull your funds back out and I don't know, your payment will probably be like 17 to two, whatever it is. And then you'll probably make four five, six, eight hundred $800 a month, maybe a thousand gross. And then you'll probably walk with five to 600. I don't know, or maybe more if you're really lucky, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. that that's where we've been operating. Like, I just have a feeling that if we just, we keep p- picking up a bunch of those, um, get decent tenants, which we've been lucky so far for the most part. So you guys do want to do a mix of uh, fix and flips as well as buy and holds. I don't really like no, to flip. Oh, places. okay, okay. Yeah. I am, but I've only sold. I've only sold one place. I think we only had one place where we fully intended from the start to flip out of all the places I bought. Uh, the second, I'm sorry, the second one is just was only just very recently, like two weeks ago, which we're starting. But other than that, I, we, you know, my goal is to hold everything. Okay. The only reason I sold the second one is because it get it ended up getting set on fire and like. It slowed us down so much. We had to like build an extension. It didn't make sense to hold anymore because okay. we were in for too much. Okay. You know, the wow. cash flow wouldn't have worked out. So what about um, going back to the well of the city and finding another, you know, Osage Pine part two? Is that, is lightning? There'll never the, be another Osage the, Pine because you, there's not something I think we're going to buy for a dollar. I've looked at other city projects and I definitely think like things would be, put on the table for, I don't want to say put on the table, but we would have a good shot at getting another project because we were performing on this one. Uh, there's so much red tape there. Like I looked at two, there was, if anyone follows the same, you know, public email, mm-hmm. or you see, you may have seen that there's been a couple RFPs lately in West Philly. There was like four. There was one on 52nd Street, one on 49, so one on 52nd Market, 49th and Gerard. And then two and one was in Mantua, which was the big one, and one in Parkside. But they all have like it's crazy. Each one had so many the one in fifty second and market, like you had to build for most of them you have to like you may get the land for almost nothing. You gotta make affordable units though. And the construction costs for the one, at least I think at fifty second and market didn't make sense. I hope it makes sense for somebody. Forty ninth in Thompson or Gerard, I am not too much of a fan of that part. The one in Parkside, it was like 17 lots, but they wanted 60% of it to be um, affordable. And like it was 30, we had to, and by the way, you had to sell them. You couldn't even rent them. Um, 30% had to be sold to people that make below 80% of the area median income, which is like kind of tough. If you, if you have to, like by city rule, do that and build all these new buildings the finances like made no sense. I don't even know if anybody bid on that. And similarly, the one in Mantua, that's the only one I would think that probably went and went easily. So does that frustrate you to see, yeah. you know, see the potential for the opportunity, but the way in which the city is 
structuring it. It, it, it nobody nobody can nobody can make money off of it Some, and we we have to make money in order for it to happen somewhat but what i will say is this like i have a lot of respect for um the guy you know the two guys at least that i've gotten to know a little bit better mm-hmm. greg heller and angel rodriguez who are running the rda because i think that they may like they i think that a lot of things are happening who knows i'm just uh, guessing but like they're doing a lot to they're like really sharp guys and i think they're doing a lot to move things forward so if they put that out and it doesn't work i have a feeling they'll just go back to the drawing board and like they're problem solvers from at least what i've seen from my interaction with them um and i don't know i think greg is like newer uh you know i think he's only been there for a couple of years but he like gets things done so i have okay. a feeling that like it's going to move in the right direction mm-hmm. All right, this didn't work. Cool. We need to remove those restrictions. Let's put it back out there and get this area to keep moving. Okay. That's just what I hopefully mm-hmm, hopefully mm-hmm, is going to happen. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned Camden. Was that Camden, New Jersey? Yeah. Oh, okay. 100%. Um, talk a little bit about that. So I find Camden very, very extremely interesting. I don't know why it hasn't. I should say I, I'm getting close to the answer, I think. Um, you have everyone from these affluent portions of New Jersey that are like taking the Patco and going through Camden to get to the city. We got the Cooper uh, Medical Complex. Yeah, you have growing, that. Yeah. Rutgers, mm-hmm. which is building a new business uh, part. So we've been going we've been going to um we went we've been to a zoning and a planning meeting and we found out a so cuz I'm just trying to figure out like what is happening politically that I'm not knowing about like I I Yes, I want to jump in and buy something. The numbers seem to make a lot of sense, but like, what's going on here? So, um, I just think that that may be on the brink. I, I think that, in, in some of the some of the obvious things that you can see, like the new developments on the waterfront, which people are paying a lot of money for one bedroom apartments there, like you already see proof that people are willing to live there. People are paying like fourteen to eighteen for one beds. I think in one of the there's like two big buildings, the Victor mm-hmm. and something else, but like mm-hmm. they're paying lots of money. And so we're just trying to figure out what's going on politically. And I've talked to like a couple big developers in the city and like just had conversations that like asking people, I'm like, I can't be the only one that thinks this. What do you think? Right. Uh, and, so, and more than a couple of them, like if you're making a move, I'm in with you. So everybody's waiting for the first Everyone's mover. Everyone's waiting for the first mover. Okay. It's lit- everybody. Yeah. Very yeah. interesting. I'm, I like, I'm high. I'm naturally like high risk, so I'm itching to do that. You know, I'm, I'd be more. I'm much more conservative because it's not just my own money I'm playing with. But um, I, I would love to be the first guy to just try and do something there. Well, I mean, it must be exciting. It must be exciting to to have the eye that you have and the experience that you have to be able to kind of basically identify opportunities before everybody else has has dropped, j- jumped on the bandwagon. So talk a little bit about how being a realtor has helped you as a developer. Would you say that having that background has helped you? 100%. Okay, talk a little bit about that. First of all, having access to the multiple listing service Mm -hmm. and knowing how to look and analyze data and numbers and all that and working with, you know, working with a lot of home buyers and... and The psychology behind it, right? Yeah, the psychology, why people buy or rent certain things and like the simple things like what kind of layouts they like Mm -hmm. and all that. Like you can't really learn a ton about that other than working with home buyers and renters and walking in a bunch of places and, Oh, I don't like this. Cool. Why don't you like this? Some of the smallest things, like mm-hmm. if you have a door on one corner and your stairs not on the same side, I feel like a lot of people don't seem to like that because it kills your living room layout. So you have to make your stairs have an end, what do you, whatever you call it. You have to make 
it's the staircase stop and have three sides side stairs so you can have like a, a, a real living room like those kind of we just designed a house like that that's why i'm thinking about that but okay. like those kind of things i don't know i would have never known had i not shown a bunch of houses in my life right right so definitely definitely helps yeah it's one of those things like when like you said it's the difference when somebody steps into a space and they immediately feel oh wow i can see myself living here versus something's not right something's off and they they can't and, even explain they, it. they can't explain it but with your your kind of like part psychologist part market researcher oh yeah to be able to, to get that all that data and to process it and then to apply that to mm-hmm. your own projects. And the relationships with the realtors, too, mm-hmm. invaluable. Like, if you're just easy to work with and cool and not too uptight. No drama, yeah. No drama. Like, you, people will share information with you that they may not otherwise, you know, it, like realtor to realtor that they may not otherwise mm-hmm. if you didn't have real estate license. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's certainly, certainly helped. So Rodney, talk about um, like what's been the best advice that you've gotten um, from anybody that has helped you as a developer. Hmm. Has there been a single piece of advice that you've gotten that you continue to apply? This is really, really, and truly a relationship business. A relationship business. Mm-hmm. You have to build. You're working with people, not real estate. That's right. it. And so you have to be you have to really think long term and you can't make decisions based on like short term profits. Mm-hmm. Right. It like, can't just be a transaction. It really can't. You can't sell something to one person that you told you you're going to sell it to somebody else because you'll make 5,000 more dollars today, but you already gave that other person your word. That will kill you in the long run. Philly is like a small city, especially when you're doing a little bit larger developments. Like there's a handful of people, you know, maybe mm-hmm. like a couple dozen people I feel like who are doing so you know, you don't 80% wanna... of the, yeah, right, yeah. right, exactly. So the, the word will get around. So yep. fast. So Rodney, what does, um, you talked a little bit about what's on the horizon for you. Um, it sounds like it was like 2020, but going a little bit further out, the next three years, um, what are you most excited about? Where do you see the business going, your mm-hmm. business going? Um, you know, three years from now, where do you guys, where do you guys hope to be? So I think in about three years, Number one is like I want to continue to build our little rental empire, mm-hmm. and I'm excited about scaling, and hopefully like doing a similar amount of maybe transactions or buying the same amount of properties, except they're all like five to t- ten times bigger. So that's what I'm most excited about, like taking that next step, getting super uncomfortable as mm-hmm. as. Con- I'm as as well as I do know numbers and all that, and I think I'm I'm getting a, starting to get a feel for numbers on apartment buildings. Like it's scary as heck mm-hmm. to buy something for like seven hundred instead of seventy, and put like one point seven into it instead of right one seventy. You know, and those are like real numbers and stuff. I'm looking at. I'm like, holy god! Right? If I make just a zeros, here, it's just a bunch of zeros, just zeros. That's yeah. what I'm going to keep telling myself <laughs> until I do it. So that's number one. Like keep building uh, larger portfolios and then do more like what you asked me before, like syndicate and bring, find someone uh, that I'm cool with and can see being in a relationship with who has money set to set aside that can, because you know, mm-hmm. we're not going to do this alone with our own money. So right. that's a big part of it. And uh, probably not selling many more houses or not, at least not working with home buyers. It doesn't give me as much passion as it used to. Maybe good friends and all that. Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. it. Right, right. Uh, and then I like to travel, and I like to go to France, and you know, used nice. to live there for a little bit, nice. and love going back every year. So, 
it would just be cool to be spending like two, three months a year over there, maybe a month Very at a nice. time. Maybe Very buy nice. some real estate over there. Yeah. I've looked it's, into it. Expand your empire. Have, uh, yeah, Rodney, Rod- Limitless Real Estate Paris. I've literally looked at uh, it. Marseille, right? And That'd we're, be great. Uh, the last thing, we're doing Airbnb. We're starting to do a little bit of Airbnb, oh, too. Oh, cool. It's very cool. It's very different. I've been I've Airbnb like my personal residence mm-hmm. for a long time, uh, since 2011, actually. But now we're scaling it and Airbnb okay. some of our apartments. Mm-hmm. And we may also be like doing some rental arbitrage, renting it, and then short term. And it's fun, like, because if you do that with luxury stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, we'll go rent a place for like six grand a month and go like make 15 off of it. But you have to be very, very uh, service oriented. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a whole different business model. It's nowhere near as easy as I think people think. I mean, it, basically, yeah. you're a hotelier. I mean, you're going to be. Sort of, a, yeah. yeah. It's basically. Once yeah. you set it up and delegate the right things, it's not, you know, you can, you can do, you can not have to do all the things that you don't want to do, mm-hmm, so, similar mm-hmm. to any other business. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, you guys have already dipped your toes in the water for oh, yeah. that? Okay. Yep. I'll have to bring you back on the show to talk about that because that's something mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very much interested in and it definitely is a, a possible solution for people that want to get into real estate. A thousand percent. Yeah. Well, Rodney, this has been great. For folks who want to contact you and, and reach you, how can they find you online? What's the best way to contact you? Um, trying to get better at my Instagram, Philly Real Estate Boss. I was him on Facebook, Rodney Ross, Rodney at LimitlessRE.com. And what are the other ways? I just got TikTok. I have no idea how to use it, but I'll be making some sort of profile. And it's probably going to be called Philly Real Estate Boss. Okay, sounds good. This has been great. Well, Rodney, it's been fantastic talking to you today. I really appreciate you coming in. And it's been you know much uh, success to you with the Osage Pine Project because that was, that was truly a wound on the city of Philadelphia and the fact that it is now healing, I think that's going to be huge for the, for the city. Yeah. So, so I think that's great. If, if, and if nobody's thanked you for that, thank you. Thank you for what, you've, what you're doing in Cops Creek. I'm just thankful that they gave us the opportunity to do it. Part of me that was like, oh my God, they're choosing us? Wow. Yeah. Awesome. So everybody, you've been listening to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show. We're at the end of another episode. And remember, you can always find us at jumpstartgermantown.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Peace.